Welcome to the new podcast, Leading by History, where we seek to take our listeners on a journey through history and educational leadership, changing our world and society one story at a time. Wane Runsara, also known as Edith or Edie Turner, was born in February of 1754 and was said to have died March 1838. In 1821, Wane Runsara petitioned the Virginia General Assembly as the leader of the Cherenhakanataway people in order to lead a push to ensure that the Indians of that tribe were able to reclaim portions of the reservation, 41,000 acres that had been allotted to them and had been chipped away since the days of 1794. She was a woman of great self-sufficiency, a woman of compassion, a woman who fashioned herself as a foster mother for tribal children, a person who desired to ensure that they were schooled and apprenticed on site, on tribal land, as opposed to learning uh, in the system of the colonials, as they were called. She died in Southampton County in 1838, but she'll be remembered for the great stands that she took in order to increase the land holdings of her people decrease their debt towards the federal government and to ensure that the Cherenhaka-Nataway people continued to have an ongoing tradition and set of customs and rituals from her time to the present day. Edie Turner, Wane Runsara, will be the historical figure and focus of today's Leading by History podcast. We're going to be headed to those tribal grounds that Wane Runsara attempted to protect. Let's get ready for this journey into this week's Leading by History. All right, welcome to Leading by History. I'm here uh, on the Cherenhaka Nataway tribal land with Chief Walt Redhawk Brown. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine. Thank you so very much for joining us. Glad yeah. you had, had a chance to come out and see Cattles Horak Town. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's a beautiful property, about uh, 263 acres. You're exactly right. 263 acres, of which we already have uh, 26,000 longleaf pines planted. Uh, we're looking at sometimes the uh, in December, putting in about another 61,000 on the last 153 acres that we got. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and your work? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm a 28-year Army veteran, jumped out of a few good airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I have seven children. Mm. Okay. Uh, my daughter, uh, Felicia Moonflower Brown, she's a major in the Army. She's an Army nurse. She's at Womack Army Hospital. And my son, uh, David Spearhawk Brown, just recently got out of the military. He's an Afghanistan war veteran. Mm. Uh, grew up on a farm, um, picking cotton, chopping peanuts, shopping peanuts, taking care of hogs, milking cows, wearing beer overalls with patches on my britches, mm. you know, walking two and a half miles a day to school my first six years of my life. 
a school called Diamond Grove, which was set aside for free people of color. Mm. Uh, played a lot of baseball, played football. Uh, 1970, I got a chance to throw to Johnny Bench with the uh, Cincinnati Reds. I mm. uh, had a pretty good fastball, curveball, sinker slider, but uh, I was a little wild, so I didn't make the cut. Mm. Yeah. So, like I said before, I grew up on a farm, hunting, trapping, tanning hides with my father. Uh, sitting around the breakfast and the dinner table in the afternoons, eating cabbage, white potatoes, black-eyed peas, cornbread, you name it. Mm-hmm. Talking about the tribal history, learning some of the words. Remember one of the first words that I learned from my mom was uh, ya, which means come quick or fly, wakatanta, which means son. She would say, when she would get another answer with me, she would say, get ya, wakatanya, get ya. <laughs> and you better come running, too, because there'll be a switch waiting on you if you didn't. <laughs> yep. So my grandfather had 18 kids, and um, so the first six years of my life, all I knew was my family members in that area, you know, on the farm, you know, mm-hmm. cousins and stuff, first cousins and uncles and aunts, etc. And so how long have you been working for the tribal cause? Uh, since uh, 2002, I've been doing research uh, probably since uh, 1980, uh, 81. I had a chance to visit some of the museums when I was in London. Uh, looking at some of the treaties, etc. You know, uh, we're very fortunate. Is that the first treaty that was signed uh, in 1646? There were three tribes that signed that treaty: it was the uh, Metapanot, correction, the Pamunkey, the Nansimans, and the Chernakanadaway. And then the Woodland Plantation Treaty, which took place in 1677. In our tribal language, well, some people say Tupam Wampum. Uh, in our tribal language, we say Dekani or Tikoa. Dekani means two in our language, or Tikoa means wampum that took place in Williamsburg in 1677. That was shortly after Bacon's Rebellion of 1676. <clears throat> there were four tribes that signed that treaty originally. Then it went back to England and came back, and the rest of the tribes signed it. Mm. But we are fortunate in that that we are the last remaining tribe in Virginia to let a treaty with the Crown of England. February 27, 1713. Provisional Lieutenant Governor Alexandra Spotswood of Virginia. Virginia has always been a commonwealth. And our tribal chief, whose name was Okura Astry here, the whites gave him her name, William Edmund, signed a treaty. And in that treaty, it said uh, that the tribute, which was always 20 beaver pelts in three hours, that we will forgive that tribute because you sent your sons to the Brafferton, which is a school set aside for Native Americans at Women Mary College, the first school, okay? So our treaty tribute became three hours. And every year on St. George's Day, which is April the 23rd, we give a treaty tribute to the governor of three hours wrapped in a beaver pelt with a wampum belt. Mm, mm. So t- talk mm. to us about Wane Runsara or oh. Edith Turner and her, and her legacy. Yeah, Wane Runsara. Wane Runsara, uh, we've been trying to find the true meaning of that name. Wane means silver, but we haven't been able to find what Runsara means. It was probably her last name. But the colonials gave her the name Edith Turner. And that, that came about during the March the 4th, 1808, Sharon Hawk and Ottawa Indian census that was done here in South Hampton County. And oh, by the way, we're the only tribe in Virginia that a census was done on and actual names were given to our people. First census was in 1669. They only counted nose, toes, and feet, and eyes. They didn't give, they didn't give, they didn't give names. Mm. So March the 4th, 1808, the three trustees... And our reservation land, which used to be 41,000 acres of reservation land, was always controlled by the white trustees, okay? Uh, Edith Turner, Wani Runsira, had befriended one of the trustees and said, you have taken, you have taken the children off the reservation and you're keeping them in your households and using them as servants. 
-hmm. We want them back on the tribal land so they can learn their language, their culture, and their traditions. Okay? So one of the trustees wrote the governor about that, and the governor came back and said, well, I want an accountability of all the money that's coming to the tribe because the money would come to the trustees, and every month the Chernokanadaway Indian people would come in and get blankets and meat and, as they said in their writings, a whole lot of rum. So they're just rum heads. Call us rum heads, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, so the trustees wrote back and said, well, uh, the Chernokanadaway Indians, they don't keep receipts, hmm. so uh, we can't give you a financial accounting. So the governor came back and said, well, I want a special census. The census was done and started in 1790 in, here in the, in, in the United States. And a special census is anything in between 10 years, like 1790, 1800, 1810, 1820, every 10 years. So our special census was done in 1808, and that's when the, the names of Nate, colonial names were given to my people, such as um, Kara Hoot, who was my fourth grandmother. They gave her the name Polly Woodson, who we ended up married in Pearson's Turner. They went two and a half miles in the back of the woods, place called Artist Town after the land began to be sold off. But Edith Turner was styled in the writings by Thomas Jefferson in 1820 as being the last, uh, being the, uh, the queen of the Cherenhawkanadaway Indian tribe. And that at that time, we were still living on over 7,000 acres of land, fertile land, in Jerusalem, because Cortland used to be called Jerusalem, mm -hmm. okay, before the final pieces were sold off. Uh, in 1705, we were really granted 41,000 acres of land, which they call the reservation, which were two tracks, the square track, which was 23,000, and the circle track, which was 18,000. They call it a circle and a square, but it was really an octagon, mm. okay? It wasn't a circle and it wasn't a square. In 1735, the Commonwealth of Virginia, and Virginia's always been a Commonwealth, fired the two tribal interpreters, Henry Briggs and Thomas Wins. They were the interpreters for the Chernokanadaway and the Maharian, and said that we could speak good enough English to understand a legal deed, but we couldn't read, nor could we write. Mm. So 1735, the first piece of land began to be sold off to pay off debt, supposedly. Debt that the, that the tribal members had created, borrowing money or whatever. And the last piece disappeared in 1877, 575 acres, of which some of the tribal members got portions of that, like 81 acres. But the last piece disappeared from a tribal member's hands in 1953, Sykes family. Mm. And since that time, we have acquired uh, 263 acres of land which was formerly the 41,000 acres of reservation land. Mm, mm. And so Edith Turner was um, influential in making sure that the tribal history, language, and culture continued into the modern era. You're exactly right. And, right. and you know, once you lose your language, you lose your culture, you lose your, your culture, you lose your traditions, okay? And she, she is the only native chief in Virginia that when she passed she had a will mm. okay and some of her land she left to Edwin Turner and she had cows she had she had uh, mules she had uh, farming equipment etc you know because when when uh, in in 1821 the Cherenokanadaway Indian were approached a, a tribal member by the name of Billy Woodson that was his native name okay his daddy was white his daddy's name was Michael Bozeman who was farming seven acres of the reservation land, they said that, that uh, Michael, uh, William uh, Billy Woodson, who changed his name to William Bozeman after his dad, uh, wrote this grandiose legal brief to the state requesting that the tribal land be split up and that every person on the tribe get their right for share. Okay. Mm -hmm. However, they said that, that William Bozeman, a.k.a. Billy Woodson, went away and got this grandiose education, but he didn't. Because we do research at the Library of Virginia in Richmond, 
and you look under the free Negro mulatto list, the first name on that list is William Bozeman. Mm. Okay, listed as a free Negro mulatto, as all Charing Hunk and Ottaway Indians were. That's what Southampton County did. Mm. Uh, and, and uh, of course, uh, Walter Plecker, that's continued with that, okay, mm. of trying to make Native people uh, something else besides Indian, because he was trying to get rid of all the Indians in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the Library of Virginia and you're trying to find information on the Charing Hunk and Ottaway, there are three boxes. And all those boxes are listed under free Negroes and mulattoes. Mm. In there, there's a census of 1808, there are D's, etc. You know. So tell us about state recognition um, and the process to achieve it. Uh, it was a long, drawn-out process. We, we had always told the Virginia Council of Indians, which had been in being since uh, 1984, which was an entity set aside by the Commonwealth of Virginia to review applications and make a recommendation to the Commonwealth to state recognize people. Uh, they, they had, uh, the first, by the way, the first six tribes that were recognized in Virginia, there was no VCI, okay? They were recognized through House Bill 54, three paragraphs. The last census said in all other tribes in Virginia, okay? Of the, of the remaining two tribes, the Monacan and the Nansimans, paper were reviewed by the Virginia Council of Indians and made a recommendation to the Commonwealth to be state recognized, okay? And I think that was in 1980, 1986, okay? Uh, the VCI for more than 20 years had not entertained a recognized... What is the VCI for the, the listeners? The, the Virginia Council of Indians, okay. which is a defunct organization there. The General Assembly got rid of them okay. because, because they really were not doing their job, okay? They, they had not state-recognized any tribe in over 20-some years. Mm. So they, they made that a defunct entity, uh, which gave us the opportunity. Uh, first of all, we went to the... We got Senator Louise Lucas to sponsor a bill for us in uh, 2005, which was scheduled to go before the Senate, which went before the Senate Rules Committee in February 2006. But unfortunately, uh, the bill was struck. She struck the bill, unfortunately. And then we continue uh, working with our congressman, uh, but our House of Representatives in Richmond and, uh, and the senators. And then we didn't put a bill in in 2009, and we were finally state recognized in 2010. So tell us about federal recognition how is that work being pursued and why is that important? Well, federal recognition is very important. I mean, just like state recognition, state recognition, that's basically says that the state says, OK, you're who you say you are. We have always known who we were because we are here. We're still here. We always have been here. Even, even before the Commonwealth of Virginia was established, we were here. OK, matter of fact, uh, if I can backtrack for a second, William Byrd came to Katasarik Town, our Palisade Village here on April the 7th, April the 8th, 1728. And not only did he describe how the village looked, which he said was square, not round. As most historians say, Indian people made a round village, you know, Palisade for it. He said ours was square. He described the long houses and the round houses. And then he described how the people look. He said when he first approached the, the village, the women gave out hoops and hollows. Woo, woo, woo. And all the young men ran in the woods. And then he said the young men came out and their faces were painted because we call that medicine. And they were dancing to the sound of a large gore drum stretched tight within the animal skin and dancing, keeping step and singing in their native tongue to the sound of the drum. First recorded powwow anywhere in Virginia. Mm. Then he said the young women came out and they were tall and shapely. But anything tall and shapely for the English in the in the 1700s, over five foot five was tall. He said their hair was hung in locks, braided in locks on their shoulders, and they were seldom handsome. But we would disagree with that. We got some good-looking women in our tribe, okay? <laughs> and um, then he said they had wrapped loosely about their upper torso a match coat, which we call a shawl, that their mahogany skin shone through. Mm. 
-hmm. He said, though they'd be sad but colored, they would make exceptional wives for the English planters and that their dark skin would bleed out in two generations. A lot of that happened. Mm. Native people were rich brown people, okay? It's mm. just like just like Edward Bland when he came to Homeville in Sunset County where Highway 40 and 35 intersect looking for the Tuscarora, who he said were a rich brown-skinned bearded Indians, mm. okay? And he met one of our tribal chief men whose name was Oyeker, and we're Iroquois speakers, and he had some Akamak Indians with him that spoke the... Uh, the Algonquin language, and when they saw Yekker, who was Iroquois, they cried, Nanawa, 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 which in their language meant snake, meant enemy, mm. stealthy, right? So the colonials took the word Nanawa and changed it to Nanawa. But the real people, the real name of the Nanawa Indians is Chero and Haka, C-H-E-R-O-E-N-H-A-K-A, Chero and Haka, which means people at the fork, the fork of the stream. Mm -hmm. So where the Nanawa River, in our language we say, oh, no, cheek or no Chioki Joki and the Blackwater River come together to form the Shawan in their village. There were three villages, Rwante, Tanatara, and Katasara. Mm. And so w the work for federal recognition now is, is okay. where are we with that? <clears throat> Uh, what we what we did, we uh, originally sent a packet to Senator Tim Kaine's office and had been working with Mike Henry, but we ran into a bottleneck there. And since that time, we have uh, met with uh, Congressman Rob Whitman, okay, who was also one of the grandfathers of the Thomasine and Jordan Act that federal recognized the six tribes, the re most recent six tribes federal recognized via Congress that President Trump signed off on. And we have requested through him that would he sponsor a bill for the three remaining tribes, okay? The three remaining tribes of Virginia to be state-recognized via Congress the way the last six tribes were. And we're still working with Senator Kane's office. Um, we had received a recommendation to go to the, BC, uh, the, the uh, BIA, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, who's an entity set aside to make a recommendation to the Secretary of Interior for federal recognition. But however, there was a new criteria established in July 2015 which basically says that you have to show that your tribal community existed from 1930 forward, okay? Then you have to show that over 50% of your tribal members participate in tribal activities, which is no problem. But there could be a problem going to the B, uh, BIA, Bureau of Indian Affairs, to show that we have been in business, I've been a tribal entity since 1930s because of what Walter Plecker did. Right. Walter Plecker destroyed tribal communities. Mm -hmm. Not only did he, did he destroy tribal communities, oh, 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 by the way, Walter Plecker was the first director of the Bureau of Indian Affairs in Virginia from 1906 until he got killed, hit by a car in 1942, okay? Mm. He was part of the eugenics movement. He was about creating one race of people, which was white and everything else. Didn't matter whether you were Puerto Rican, African, Mexican, uh, Native American. He put you in a mixing bowl and called you colored, okay? Matter of fact, he went as far as putting together a hit list in 1930 and sent that list to every clerk of the court in Virginia saying these names, these individuals who say they are Indians, they're just bastards trying to be Indians so they can marry into the white race. So, so we're trying to go through Congress and uh, with Rob Whitman, we've given him a packet. Uh, we originally started this in 2010 with the Thomasine and Jordan bill, trying to get attached to that, but we never did get attached to it, to be federal recognized along with the six tribes that were recently federal recognized. Uh, so Congressman Rob Whitman has the packet. Senator Tim Kaine's office has a packet. So we're going to give a cup. And Congressman Bobby Scott's office has a packet. So we're going to get with Senator, Senator Warner. We gave him a packet in 2010 to see where that packet stands also to try to get the House and the Senate together uh, so they can sponsor a bill to federal recognize the three remaining tribes. Tell us about uh, the tribal land here and the importance of, of land for tribal longevity. 
because okay. you, you were telling me as we went through the land about conservation and perpetuity, right. etc. Right. What's the importance of land for the tribe well, and, and having it for the long term? Yeah. Well, the importance of that, as, as I said earlier, we, we used to have 41,000 acres of reservation land that got sold off. If you put stuff in a conservation easement, it's there for perpetuity. Can't be sold. You know, I mean, it takes, really takes an act of Congress to do that. So the last 155 acres that we got, we put that in a conservation easement, and so it'll be in that easement for perpetuity. Now, when we get federal recognized, this 100 acres, uh, which we also have in the name of the foundation, will be transferred directly over to the tribe. Currently, it's in the tribe's name and the foundation's land. Okay, tribe, the Cherokee Indian Tribe and the Cherokee Indian Tribal Heritage Foundation name on the on those two uh, two deeds. But the first hundred acres we got is going to strictly be uh, not under foundation because once we get federal recognized, we become tax exempt anyway. We established the foundation, which is a 501c3 tax exempt entity, so we would not not have to pay any taxes on the property. Mm. Yeah. So um, you mentioned earlier Walter Plecker. Oh, yeah. um, the term paper genocide is something I hear a lot when I talk to Virginia tribes um, where he wanted to create a society of whites and coloreds and that's it. Exactly. And um, a lot of times when people do genealogy, especially um, black people in America, they'll trace as far back as they can go. And then they may they may say that the family line drops off and they can't find it. So they assume automatically that their ancestry goes back to whites. Exactly. But many times they forget that there's another stream that their ancestry could come from, which is Native American ancestry. And there seems to be this, um, I guess, this old wives tale, if you will, um, uh, the urban legend in the black community that my grandmother has Indian or I've got Indian in my family. And even though that was said to, in a funny way for people to talk about maybe their hair, having, uh, uh, you know, uh, straight hair or things of that nature, really this comes from something real. You're exactly right. Uh, matter of fact, we tell people when you're doing genealogy, not only people with African uh, ancestry, but also whites. Because uh, they'll start doing genealogy and they, and they get to this term mulatto. Mm -hmm. And they say automatic without. No, I'm, I'm not half black or half white. But mulatto does not necessarily mean half black or half white. It could also mean half black or half Indian or half white or half Indian or purebred. Mm. So they see that and it's like a bottleneck for them because they don't, they, don't understand, they don't understand the history of Virginia and those things that were done to eradicate a race of people. Mm. Okay? That's why we call that paper genocide because originally in the original census here in Southampton County, there were people that were listed as I. Okay, you go to 1870 to BM, you go to you go you go to you go to you go to 1880, 1890, it says it's black. Mm. See, that was all a part of the, the Plecker regime with paper genocide about trying to get rid of a race of people. Uh, and Alexander Spotswood was about this. He and William Byrd both were about the same thing as uh, as uh, not as not as Walter Plecker, but they were about intermarrying, not only among the black community, but the white community to get rid of the Indian blood. It's like. Uh, William Byrd, when he came to have a reservation, he said, though we be dark but colored, we would make exceptional wives for the English planters, and our dark skin would bleed out in two generations mm -hmm. because they were trying to get rid of the Indian blood, okay? So paper genocide is a reality in the state of Virginia, and that causes a lot of people problems. That's one of the reasons why those six tribes that were recently federal recognized did not go to the BIA 
mm. because they would have problems justifying their genealogy. It would take the act of Congress a hundred years to do that mm. because of all the Racial Integrity Acts. I mean, William Byrd brought about the Racial Integrity Act of uh, 1924, where he started calling people that were, that were originally colored back in those days in the 1900s, then he's changed it to Negro, mm. okay? Right. So paper genocide is a reality, and it causes a lot of problems for doing genealogy. And, of course, Dr. Walter Plecker's name is a hated name on the Red Road, okay? Correct. Yeah. Now, there, there are a lot of things on the Internet, and I was showing you something earlier mm. about imposters and groups that I think I was reading about where the Pamunkey tribe was having some issues maybe a few years back with some people maybe from another state claiming to be a part of that tribe and trying to get money and resources using the tribe's name. Do you find that that's something common where people are attempting to use the Cherenhaka Nottaway name or other tribal names from Virginia in order to try to get money or funding or, you know, tax exemptions or things of that nature, people that don't have a Native American background? Sure, that's, that, is, that is definitely true. I mean, people are subject to do anything. Uh, in our tribal language, we say antatum, which means snakes, okay? Uh, as an example, and, and getting, let me go back to Walter Plecker again, because on that hit list, they were also saying, and not only that Walter Plecker say this, but also, also uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote that the monkey were so dark that because they were ingrained into the Negro race, right. okay? So, I mean, I mean, but you have to be aware that when people write history, they have a tendency to write it to the color of their own persuasiveness. So you have to make sure you back up everything they say, okay? You have, you have to continue looking at what is written because people write to their own persuasiveness when they write. Um, but people will have a tendency to try to usurp what you're doing. They'll try to piggyback off what you're doing, okay? So it wouldn't surprise me if there are people out there saying they're Charon Hawker. I don't know, and really are not, mm -hmm. okay? Just like people were saying they were a monkey, you know, and they're not. Right. So th those things happen, and you can, you can expect that to happen. Mm -hmm. What interaction do the eastern tribes, like here in Virginia and maybe going up the eastern seaboard, what interaction do the eastern tribes have with the tribes in the Midwest? We, we never really see that connection when you start talking about like the Mohawk or, you know, um, or, or, or the, you know, we hear Cherokee in this area a little right. bit, but like those other tribes um, where you would talk about the Chippewa or right. Choctaw, what have you. Is there any interaction between eastern tribes here in Virginia and those Midwestern tribes? Well, we've, we've had we've had some of the members from the Six Nations to come to our power, OK? And a close friend of mine who is now dead, Mitchell Bush, he was an Onondaga. And he was with the Onondaga tribe. And actually, he sat on the BIA for like eight years, okay? And he, he came, every powwow that we had, he always made it, mm. okay, even up until his death. So as, as far as people coming down from Canada, we haven't had, we haven't had that on our tribal grounds yet, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, except in the beginning in 2002, when we first reorganized the tribe, uh, we had some people that come down from Canada from the, uh, from the Mohawk. Okay. Yeah. And... Um is there any connection between these people? I mean, we talked about the Iroquois. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, is, is, it like a, is it seen as an extended family? I mean, how do those, those tribes receive the Virginia tribes? Is well, there... let, me, let me give it to you this way. Uh, we're the only tribe in Virginia whose language was actually recorded 
and is on file at the Philadelphia Institute of Religion in Pennsylvania, which has been proven to be Iroquois, which has been proven to be a mixed dialect of the Six Nations, the Mohawk, Cayuga, the Onondaga, the, the Seneca, the Tuscarora, the Oneida, etc. Okay? So, so were, were it not for Thomas Jefferson in 1820 of purchasing uh, the language from Peter de Poncier at Women Mary College, who actually sat down with our fifth, my fifth foster great-grandmother, Edith Turner, Wane Runtara, and actually recorded the vocabulary of which he thought was the Powhatan language, and he sent it to Peter de Poncier in Philadelphia. Uh, were it not for that, then our language, which was recorded by Thomas Jefferson, would have been characterized as being Algonquin or Lenape. So the language, our language is a mixed dialect, especially the close kindred is the Tuscarora, as an example. Our word for luminous body or senses is ahita. The Tuscarora dropped the A and it's ahita. Okay. okay. So there's a relationship to show a bloodline. And, and we, often, we often say this to my Seneca friends when they came here. Uh, two years ago, we had some friends that come from the Seneca Nation along with Mitchell Bush, who was Onondaga, and presented us with a plaque. And we always jokingly say, yeah, uh, the, you know, the Chern-Hakanadaway Indian blood runs rampant in the Seneca Nation. He said, how mm. is that? Well, if you go to volume three of the executive journals of the Colonial Council of Virginia, you will see that whenever the Seneca came in this area, they always went to the Colonial Council in Williamsburg and requested permission to stay with us on our reservation. Hence, the language is the same. Mm. But in one particular recordings of the minutes, it shows that one of the Seneca chiefs stole one of the Chernhakanadaway Indian chief wives and took them back to the Seneca Nation upstate. Mm. Okay? We had to go to the... To, uh, to uh, Williamsburg, <laughs> to the Colonial Council to get a pass to try to find that woman, right? We never got the woman back. Mm. So hence, the Chernakanadaway Indian is bloodline is now mixed up with the Seneca Nation, you know? Mm. Yeah. Interesting. And on top of that, at the end of the Tuscarora War in uh, February 27, 1713, there were a group of Tuscaroras that went up and became a part of the Onondaga, okay? Uh, nation, the Six Nations, okay? And there were also some Chernakanadaway, about 15, that went that way also. Mm. Okay. What uh, what what impact on the eastern tribes here in Virginia do, do things like the pipeline protests, um, you know, the Oklahoma trial with the Muscogee uh, uh, Creek Nation and those things? What, what, does that have any relationship to Native people here? The the protesting for maintaining sovereignty and sovereign land and stopping pipelines from going through. Uh, native land, like wh where does the Eastern tribe fit into to, to any of these things? Well, of course, we say, where does it end? And we, we support we support any any action, not any action, but any legal action that tribal sovereign nations can take to present encroachment on their tribal land. That, that's what has happened over the centuries, encroachment, okay? That's what happened on the reservations. Like the, the 41,000 acres of reservation land we had, as the colonials continued to come, they constantly encroached upon us. And our circle got smaller and smaller, okay? So now you got drugs, now you, now you, got, you got alcoholism, now you got crime, and the same thing is happening on reservations out west. You put, you put people in a, in, 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 it's just like the Japan, it's like uh, um, World War II. All the Japanese in California were put in a, a fort someplace, mm -hmm. okay? Interment. Interment, right, right, right. Well, that's what happens with Native people. When you put them in a reservation and you, and you block their domain, they can't go outside of their domain and take away their sense of freedom. What's going to happen? It's like being in jail, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we, we support, from a legal point of view, any, any approach that tribal sovereign nations can take to prevent encroachment on their tribal land.
Okay, they should have that right to to prevent encroachment on their land, especially as a federal recognized tribe. So, in ending uh, of the interview, what are your parting words for for the audience? What would you like to send them away thinking about uh, with respect to uh, Virginia Native people? Okay, first of all, I say this in our native language: "Quekahante iisanki vaskahi creator, my heart now sees." Quekahante iisanki tarahanta. Creator, now my heart hears. Quekahante, Isanki, Vasviker, Creator, my heart has now spoken. We leave you with these words. May your walk in the sacred circle of life make better the walk of another, those that will follow you, our children. Thank you so much for the interview. And thank you. All right. And thanks for visiting us on the travel land. Hope you come to our next power. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, and thank you. All right. Aho. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Leading by History podcast, and we look forward to getting back together with you again on our next show. Until then, peace.